If you've struggled with stress, balance, or burnout, and simply felt discouraged or even defeated, if you're ready to move from force to flow and enjoy ultimate Zen success in your career, health, or relationships, then this podcast is for you. Your host, Carissa Sims, is an entrepreneur, corporate consultant, best-selling author, meditation teacher, and healer who has found her own Zen success. Here's your host, Carissa. Welcome to this week's episode of Zen Success. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Jackie Simmons. Yay! Yay! I'm oh, so happy God. you reminded me to record. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I mean, Jackie is like a friend. I feel like you are my goddess sister. We did this amazing class with Dr. Fred about finding your voice. And um, she is a true leader and so authentic and a mom and just has a beautiful mission and message for everyone out there. So welcome, Jackie. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I have been looking forward to this and I'm waiting in, and I'm waiting for the meeting to start. And I'm like, oh my God, do I have the right day? Do I have the right link? <laughs> <laughs> I know because we, okay, just for our audience, the reason why we're laughing about this is because we had some false starts and some little miscommunications and, and I've been really booked with my podcast. So I think Jackie had to wait like eight months or a year <laughs> or a year and a half. Like, I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you know, and she's like way more famous than I am. It's just that I um, am getting a lot of requests lately. And so, and she's just been so joyous and patient for the whole thing and go with the flow. Like one time I like, oh, I got to go out of town. And she's like, okay, that's fine. And um, beautiful. Well, we're finally, finally connecting. And I feel like it's a little bit of a reunion. So let me tell you a little bit about Jackie. So she is amazing TEDx <laughs> speaker, international best-selling author, and creator of Conscious Transformational Coaching. Jackie Simmons is also the director and co-founder of the Teen Suicide Prevention Society, and Jackie is best known for her attitude adjusting stories. Please join us as we interview Jackie about the journey that launched two movements. Jackie, introduce it, Jackie. Woo! Oh, so excited to be talking with you today and to just go deeper. You know, I had the opportunity, Jackie trusted me. There was something about me where she decided to have me on her amazing workshop and program. Tell, tell us a little bit about that program that I was on that was helping prevent teen suicide. So the program, the suicide prevention show, and it is a YouTube channel. It has a podcast and we were doing an entire year where 
every other month we were recording 24 hours, almost straight, 12 hours each on two different days, right back to back. And we did that very intentionally because we know that your worst day is only 24 hours long. So if we can give you 24 hours of fresh content, engaging speakers, fun stories, then we know that we've got you in this really kind of safe container. What was interesting was the number of people who would come on at the beginning of the summit and stay all 24 hours. The people who came to complain because of our attitude, we have an attitude. We believe suicide prevention, pure prevention means being ahead of suicidal thinking, being stuck in someone's head. And that's fun. And the very fact that we put suicide prevention and fun into one sentence upset people who are past. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyone who was struggling with suicidal thoughts, what they call suicide prevention in our society is confusing. It's about preventing the act of suicide. It does nothing to prevent the struggle with suicide from starting. Ah, that's a good good point. Our focus is preventing the struggle from starting. So the talk that saves lives is a talk that you have before you think it's needed. The why not workbook is a workbook you work with your family before you think somebody's in trouble. We believe looking for signs is waiting for trouble. Yeah, then it's way, way, way too late. Well, by then, maybe, maybe. Well, yeah, the good news is, um, and the bad news altogether, my middle daughter survived not one, but 14 attempts on her own life. Wow. 14? Which ones did you know about? Did you know about all of them? Um, Yeah. Oh. Now, I'm going to tell you something about the parental brain and why I went on this journey to learn everything I could about how the brain really works. Okay. Our parental brain is hardwired to believe that our kids are okay. It has to be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because yeah, we're just hardwired. We are viscerally wired. That's our belief. And because that's our belief, the part of the brain that keeps us sane, that screens out the majority of our inputs, because we get like a million hits of yeah. input, you know, and but- our conscious mind can only handle 40. Ah, interesting. But can I just say one thing? Yeah. What about moms that worry too much? Well, well, the moms who worry too much are the other side of the coin. Okay, that's the opposite side. Yeah, okay. they're the opposite side of the coin. Sanity is in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, Buddhists, the middle way, there's a lot of sanity in the middle ground, not on either extreme. I was on the extreme of my kids, okay. And I wouldn't talk with her about suicide or suicide attempts as long as she was getting professional help. I sold myself on the idea that she was good. And the truth was, I didn't want to talk about it. I was scared. I would put the thought back in her head. Oh, yeah. yeah. I have that. I would have that too. That is the biggest myth in the entire industry. And I can prove it. You cannot put a thought in someone's head. How do we know? Have you ever tried to put the thought in a kid's head to clean their room? 
You know, it just doesn't work. You can't put a thought in somebody else's head, but I didn't know that. So I was on the extreme of not talking about it and actually not thinking about it. I had managed to wall off that part of my personality much to um, the challenge that it created in my business that I didn't understand. And that's the other movement that I've started. So we'll come back to this we'll, authenticity. We'll dovetail to that. Yeah. The mom who worries too much is also making the same lack of action mm. because she's worried. She's not talking with the kid about it. She's worried. She's not engaged with it. She's just worried. She's busy being worried. And that makes her feel safe because as long as I'm worrying about it, it's not going to happen. Right. Mm. Well, I never thought about there. it like that. I mean, you could say, right, but it, it's making me think. Yeah. It, it, it's a, one of the other mythologies that we have. You know, if I worry about it, whatever I worry about doesn't happen. So I might as well worry because that keeps me safe. And we've got all of these different cultural mythologies. They have taken on an independent life form of their own, the same way that the Tooth Fairy, the Easter Bunny, and Santa Claus have. They're now culturally independent thoughts that we just accept as out there. And I'm out to myth bust these ones around suicide, especially when it comes to teen suicide. It just doesn't match the reality of what mm -hmm. happens inside a kid's head. Wow. So what was it? Did you have a moment where you were like, maybe I need to talk to my kid about this after uh, the multiple attempts? Was it like the 12th or 13th time? Like, how did you figure out this theory and put it into practice? August the 3rd, 2019. And I didn't figure it out. Okay. My daughter, Stephanie, gave a seven minute talk. And her seven-minute talk is a message that matters. It was a program I was running. So I'd introduced her to the room and she was you know, just amazing. Oh my God, she looked great. I can tell you exactly what she looked like that day. She had on a dark blouse and a flowery skirt and her hair was pulled back in combs. You know, She confidently walked to the front of the room, shook my hand. And she's 37 years old at this point, You know, fully grown woman. I go back to the back of the room. And she starts her talk with 3,000 teenagers will attempt to take their lives today. I almost fainted. I had no idea suicide was her talk, and I had no idea the number was that high. Then she continued and was started telling a story about when she was 14. And she shared about the day that she first attempted. And I go pale. I mean, I had like, huh, what? You know. Then she shared that we hadn't really talked about it. She hadn't talked about it outside of getting professional help and how we had talked around it. And then she did. I was so proud of her, one, for starting her talk with a startling statistic. That's a great way to start a short talk. And then she went in and broke the mood, gave everybody a break from that topic. And she shared that we had the other talks, that we had the talk about sex and the talk about drugs and the talk about alcohol. And then she went to college on a dry campus, which means that the kegs were hidden in the showers of the girls' dorm. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> that's what a dry campus means. I was like, oh, I never heard of it. It just means they're okay. Got it. They're hidden. Yeah, right. it's not what it says in the literature, but that's the reality of it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so she then continued, and after she t- shared that she'd had other attempts, she said she still struggles with suicidal thoughts. Wow. And in the back of the room, I went from pale to bone cold as I realized the struggle she's been facing alone because I didn't have the courage to talk about it. My 30 years of stress management training is the only thing that kept me from crawling into a corner and just bawling my eyes out that day. Yeah. Yeah. And the last thing she said was that along her suicide avoidant journey, she learned tons of coping skills. And now she wanted to share those skills with teenagers before they need them. Mm. She got a standing ovation. I mean, people were rushing up yeah. and hugging her and you know, <laughs> thanking her for being so brave and so vulnerable. And I was really uh, rooted, frozen in the back of the room, <laughs> torn torn between pride for her bravery and guilt and shame for my cowardice. And then I wondered if she was right. If preventing suicide was as simple as getting them the skills before they need them. Wow. And after that day, Stephanie and I decided to work together. And along with their sisters, we co-founded the Teen Suicide Prevention Society. We deep dove into the world of prevention and discovered that it did not exist. All the programs kick in after you know your kid's at risk. And that's too late. Mm. Oh, my God. We're in a day and an age where the first sign a kid's in trouble is often an attempt and they don't all survive. Yeah. So that's why we created all of our pure prevention programs. And we're building it out. We're building out the website. And we just rebranded. We have gone, we've taken the gloves off because when we first started, we're like, become an advocate for living, be an advocate for staying. This was our message into the world. Oh yeah. Because that's what I was thinking too, is like even taking the word suicide out of it because like transferring it to like this positive language, Mm -hmm. like embracing life fully and, and Mm -hmm. stepping into your power. So. And that's where all of our programs were. And we got crickets. Oh, no. We did the can. Make It a okay. Great Day movement. We've got the book, Make It a Great Day, The Choice is Yours. <laughs> We've got a new volume coming up that we're gathering the okay. stories for right now. Well, you tried. We went, we went that way. Now, you, now here's what's coming. You ready? Because you're catching me right as this is launching. Oh, wow. Awesome. We're taking the gloves off. We want you in the cage. We want you emotionally cage fighting. This is how you suicide-proof your friends. And now that's our message. Welcome to emotional cage fighting. <laughs> Sorry. No yeah. Laugh, but it is. It's, it, awesome. no, it's designed to be that. We want to Let's break the stigma yeah. around this conversation. We want people to break the silence. Carissa, my silence almost cost my daughter her life. Mm. We We think that when it comes to mental health and suicide and all of these topics, emotional resilience, they've got the whole social emotional learning programs out there, and they're not talking about the problem of not having social and emotional intelligence. 
The problem is that it's silent and silence isn't golden. Silence is deadly. Mm-hmm. So that's so, where we are with that. That's, that's the one exciting. Issue. Okay. So when is that going to be launched where this rebranding of your program? Well, I did the first rant about it two days ago. Okay. And so now we're rewriting the website. And I've got a launch it at the, this is um, August. So it'll be out at the end of August. Um, we have our book launch for the new book at the end of September, because September is National Suicide Awareness Month. So we do the book every year in September. Okay. And, and what's the things. title? Make it a great day. The choice is yours. Ooh, yeah. Powerful. That's amazing. What is that on? Is that an elephant on your necklace? It is an elephant on a necklace. Oh. This is our mascot. Here, I'll show you. Okay. This is this is last year's book. Oh. You see the elephant in the room? Yeah, beautiful. Mm-hmm. So that's the elephant in the room. He's our elephant. mascot. Okay, the elephant in the room. That So that's a metaphor to be able to open up and talk with your kids? About anything. Yeah. It's, it's the metaphor for what people know is an issue, but everybody just sort of walks around it and ignores it. It's how I lived for 23 years mm. was ignoring this elephant in the room, not connecting the dots between what my daughter was struggling with and what I was struggling with as I survived two bouts of clinical depression not understanding that for my business, I could network like crazy, but I wasn't building my business like crazy. And it didn't make sense to any of my business mentors. I had a mentor say, Jackie, that makes no sense for somebody who speaks as much as you do to make as little money as you make. The elephant in the room. I wouldn't let anyone get to know me because if they got to know me and they got to know everything about me, including the fact that I had a suicidal child, my had that thing about know, like, and trust that why would anybody want to work with me if they knew that I was had this going on in my family? Because I come from a family where you don't air your dirty laundry in public. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that journey coming out of that made me realize that the biggest challenge in business today is that we don't believe that people will like us if they get to know us. And that prevents people from trusting us. And they don't even know why. (laughs) We can sense on a gut level that there's some inauthenticity going on, but but it's not a cognitive awareness. So it's not like somebody could give me feedback. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But they could tell me that they could tell I was hiding. I had a friend who said, Jackie, I see you everywhere. You network like crazy. You are everywhere. It was true. My daytimer looked like alphabet soup. And she says, and I have no idea what you do. <laughs> yeah, if anybody else has ever had that feeling that they were hiding in plain sight, I was an expert at subconsciously hiding in plain sight. I was doing the things, hundreds of networking events, giving out thousands of business cards, collecting tens of thousands of business cards and doing no follow-up. Oh boy, I've been there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still there a little bit. 
We we all have, I mean, let's face it, if the fortune's in the follow-up, that could explain why so many people are struggling financially. Yeah, right. Everyone, so, and, and this is my, my rant of the week with the way media and the way uh, marketing is being done. Everyone is so focused on building funnels and bringing in new leads. They are forgetting that the fortune is not in new leads. The fortune is in the relationships with the people who already know you. Mm-hmm. And getting to a point where you like them enough that you're willing to let them get to know you enough that you like them. It is, you got to like them first. And that's the other thing that's backwards about the way they're, I think the whole marketing thing is broken and backwards. What if you got to like people and you only did business with people you liked, that those are the only ones that you issued an invitation to? How much more fun would business be? Mm. And that's how I do it now. If I don't, if I don't have enough of a sense that I like somebody, I will not invite them into my certification program. They will not become a CTC. They don't get invited into whatever it is I'm launching next, because that doesn't make any sense to have people that are not people who I really want to spend a lot of time with. Mm. And I love my coaches in the Conscious Transformational Coaching Program. As a matter of fact, we're going on retreat all together to Hawaii in January. Oh my God, you are so abundant. That is amazing. Where are you going in Hawaii? We're going to the big island on the, not on the Kona side where all of the tourist stuff yep. and the, the, we are actually going into the rainforest. We're going on the Hilo side. Yep. We've got a luau up in the mountains. So we're going to need winter clothes for one night while we're there, oh. which is hysterical. Wow. And, you know, so we're doing the lava fields. We're doing the hula. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we, we've got some fun activities planned. And then we're going to host a positivity festival on in the area of Hilo on the big island of Hawaii. And it's going to benefit one of the local nonprofits. Wow, that's incredible. I love Kona. I just love Hawaii. There's just like, it's so magical. We were there last year um, and I Ooh. do triathlons. So like both sides are amazing. So Kona is where the Ironman triathlon is held. And then on the Hilo side, I went there with my kids with this like parent mom's retreat where we took our kids to sw- snorkel, swim in the waters. And yeah, it, it's just like, it's such a magical place. And, but I've never been up to the mountains where you have to, you know, dress for winter and everything. That sounds incredible. Oh, it's a lot of fun. We've been very, very blessed. The group that actually does this combination um, event with dinner and everything up on this ranch was so happy that we were coming to their part of the island that they actually gifted every one of my students this whole dinner experience. (gasps) I was like, Oh my God. What? Abundance flows when you're facing the right direction. When I stopped being afraid of people finding out about me and started being willing to just be okay being me, this sense of I don't have to force being authentic, I don't have to force being transparent. After I did my TEDx talk and broke the silence in such a public way, I partnered with someone and helped them close, like bring in over a million point three in contracts for new people into their program in like six weeks. 
And, wow. And, and they had Congrats. me come in and do a training. Yeah, they, they're like, Jackie, can you come in and, and help yeah. everybody in the community understand? Okay, how you but it? just to, don't blow over that so fast because that is like incredible. Congratulations, first of all. And yeah. What came out of the Q&A? The one person said, all right, Jackie, you've shared all of these things, but really, really, what is your secret sauce? And I said, it's that I have no secrets. <laughs> so when I say this is what I'm doing and this is why, and this is why I think that it might be something for you to look at. This is my, and this is my idea of, of, of sales. Yeah. Hey, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm excited about. This is why I thought of you, why I think this is something you might want to look at. Let me know where to send the information or do you have, you know, I mean, it was really just that kind of an easy conversation. And everything since then has been easier. That doesn't mean I didn't have, fall back into habits, but the good news is I train people how to remove the mental and emotional blocks. That's what my program's about. So my coaches have to practice on me. The whole reason I have a certification program is so that I can get a lot of this work done because I had a lot. You know, I had a lot of, I, I didn't have an elephant in the room. I had a whole herd of elephants. And now I'm launching, you're going to shock. Are you ready? I'm going to be on TikTok and I'm going to be sharing all of my elephant stories Yay. about the elephant in the room. Oh my God, that's perfect. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm about to go on TikTok too. I've been a little bit afraid to go on uh -huh. there, you know, because I was like, oh, that's, you know, not for me. I got a guide. Yeah. I yeah. got a guide because I was scared to go there too. <laughs> well, good for you. Oh my gosh. I, I'm so excited for you and this like new phase and all these new things happening. And, you know, Hawaii is going to be so healing for you. There's going to be something that happens to your spirit that like really opens up your heart. I, I'm sorry. I'm just like reading into you, but like, you are just going to thrive there and you're going to come back with that energy with your clients and your programs and it f infuse it. And it's just going to be amazing. You're one of those people, Carissa, that has permission to read into me. Oh, I mean, it was on your clubhouse that yeah. I, you, 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 so, you know, it was like, Jackie, there's something wonky about step four and step five in your program. And I went, Oh, duh. And I reverse them uh, as far as the order. And then all of a sudden, all the rest of the levels in my certification program just sort of fell into place. Oh my gosh. That's amazing because I don't even remember what I said to you. Like I remember I did the reading for you. So that's really great feedback. Thank you. Uh, oh, awesome. you're very, very welcome. It was a fun day. It's the only time I've ever been on clubhouse. Was oh fun. my God. It's the only <laughs> time. And I got to see you and we did the reading. Oh my God. That's amazing. Because Judy was, was she promoting you doing your event for the women's yeah. wisdom? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's she why was, I was there. It was for the it was to to help let people know that I was going to be talking for the women's wisdom. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And, and that recording is up on the women's wisdom site. So that was a really good. As a matter of fact, you're going to love this. That interview that I did there. Uh huh. I've got a friend who she has this whole business of taking interviews and turning them into workbooks and courses for the speakers. 
Wow. Isn't that a cool business? Very cool. So she took my interview for Women's Wisdom and has turned it into a workbook. And we have a whole page on the back with all of the information about Women's Wisdom. So it's just another marketing piece for everybody wins. That's just like so abundant because it's like so many multiple streams of income and how you can like multiply everything that you did in that one day. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's amazing. Wow. Okay. That I ha- I'll have to listen to that. Oh, that you've got so much going on. It's incredible. So one of, one of the questions I had is actually going back to what we were talking about before. Did your daughter give you any tips on how you could talk to her? Because I, I'm just speaking from myself with my kids. My kids are not teenagers. They're, they're seven and 10, mm. but I try talking to them. <laughs> I'm just like, sometimes they say nothing to me, but I mean, but maybe it's that I'm trying and that's what matters. Is it like just connecting? I'm I'm going to give you the answer. (laughs) Yes. You're trying and that's what matters. And what if we made it easy for you? Would that be okay? Yeah. Okay. Um, And I'll tell you what I can, instead of just telling you about it, why don't we role play it and demonstrate how to have this talk? Would that be okay? Yeah. All right, so here's the invitation. Hey, Carissa, I'm part of the mission to make teen suicide a thing of the past. They gave me a guide. I have to practice. Would you have five minutes to help me practice my guide? Uh, I'm, maybe. What's it about? It's about suicide. I know it's not about you. I just need to read through these questions and I need to have somebody answer them. All right. Cool. Thank you. All right. Four questions. Here's the first one. I'm trying to be like my kids. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. You're doing a great job. I recognize that energy. (laughs) You can also just be you. Just be you. Okay. 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 That's fine. Here we go. Question one. Have you heard about the rise in teen suicides? Mm -mm. No. Thank you. Question two. Do you have a story? Do you have a friend who's tried or died? No. Thank you. Question three. Have you ever thought of leaving that way? Yes. Thank you. Question four. Hey, Carissa, why stay? What are your reasons for staying? Mm. Adventure. Um connection, family, my dog, um, being outside in nature, rivers, the ocean, the waters. What else? Um, trying new things and trying to, um, make, Businesses successful and helping others like really heal their lives. Thank you. And if somebody gets stuck, we have a backup question, which is, hey, what's so good about your life that you want more of it? Mm. The freedom. 
the freedom to choose to do what I want to do. Thank you. Now, what just happened in your brain? Starting from the invitation. Hey, will you help me? Okay. As soon as we ask for help of a kid, we trigger their inner three-year-old. Remember when they were three? Oh, I get to help. You know, they would sweep ah. floors or whatever. So we're already turning on the pleasure center. This puts a buffer between them and an edge that they may not be near, but you don't need to know if they're near. You're already building out that buffer. And then anybody who's a coach goes, oh my God, those are closed into questions. And the answer is yes. Intentionally, we are not coaching here. What we are doing is on the topic of suicide, taking it from the macro, from the whole topic, bringing it in closer, bringing it inside. We're activating all of their neural pathways around suicide. And then what we are doing in a flick of an instant is we are grabbing all of that electricity and redirecting it and building out a new neural pathway in their brain. And the more we get them to talk about their reasons for staying, the faster that neural network is being built out. So now if they have a thought of leaving, it's going to bump up against a new part of this filter in their reticular activating system that's labeled reasons for staying. Oh, wow. That's deep. Is that researched? Is that this researched? is? Yes, this is how the brain really works. Now, what's what's really hysterical for you? Have you heard of something called mirror neurons? Um. Mirror neurons are those pieces in your brain that if you're around someone who feels a certain way, oh. you start to feel that certain way. Oh, okay. No, I'm not familiar with that. Okay. That's amazing. That's incredible. So here's what's happened to all 91,000 people that have watched my TEDx talk because I embedded these four questions in my TEDx talk. It's like the greatest set of mindset magic that I've ever pulled off. Can you say the name of your talk? I'm sorry for people who yeah. want to search it. Sure. It, it's how to stop teen suicide. Okay. Okay. That's the TEDx. Uh, yeah. TEDx talk. I embedded the four questions in there. So everyone listening got walked through this same, wake up those neurons, wake up those neurons, wake a light up those neural pathways around suicide and all of that angst and all of the stories, and then grab that electricity and redirect it into a new part of the brain build out a new neural pathway labeled reasons for staying. And what's happened with all of your listeners, and yeah, I could give a disclaimer up front, but why? Every single person listening to you or everyone watching this, when you started talking about your reasons for staying, your whole face lit up, your energy changed, your cadence changed, ah. and everyone listening, their mirror neuron started firing. Every reason you had, their brain goes, oh, that's a reason I have. Oh, I have, I have this one. I wonder if she's going to say that one. And now your brains are actually in this uh, resonance. And so now everyone listening to this podcast has a new file folder in their brain, a new neural network labeled reasons for staying. That's amazing. And so do you feel like that's one of the most powerful ways you can prevent teen suicide is, and how often do you have this conversation? Like every you, you week? Have, you have this one where they practice, where you're practicing it with them. Uh -huh. And then you talk to them about whether they want to practice it with someone. 
because they, there's no difference in the mirror neurons. It doesn't matter whether you're the one asking the questions or answering the questions. Uh, uh-huh. So this becomes a family thing. And then it's who among your friends and you get the permission from other kids, parents, you know, walk the parents through it first. But this is how we're building a movement. We are on a movement to make teen suicide a thing of the past. And I realized you're going to love this. You ready for the math logic? If I want to stop suicide among 16-year-olds 10 years from now, I get six-year-olds to start suicide-proofing their friends now. Wow. Simple math. (laughs) I've partnered with amazing people. We've partnered with a card game company. They have card games that build emotional intelligence in kids as young as three. So we've got that going on. I mean, I is that ready a- yet? Can yeah. I buy those? Okay, yeah, absolutely. You could buy those. <laughs> I got my wallet. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That sounds like so much fun because my kids and I, we like to play cards. So that yeah. would be great. And my son plays chess. Um, wow. Because I mean, he's 10, but I do feel like sometimes I feel like he's not happy. Life is less about being happy and more about being confident that you can shift your mood when you Ah, want to. Thank you for that. Yeah. It's not about them never being sad or down. It's about them being certain that they can shift their mood if they want to. That life the way it is this moment is not the way it's going to be the next moment. And this is why teen suicide and suicide among younger and younger kids is such a thing. They don't have the perspective of time. So without training in emotional resilience and in emotional intelligence, if they don't get exposed to these conversations, to these concepts, then they're at risk for having a thought that doesn't feel good, that they're afraid to share. Because my daughter said, mom, I didn't want to be a burden. And Mm. that's why she didn't talk to me. She didn't want to be a burden. I didn't want to risk putting the thought in her head. It was not a pretty picture for many years. I just didn't even know it was happening. Now we know these thoughts are happening in our kids' heads. The youngest suicide on record with the Center for Disease Control in America is six years old. Mm -hmm. People are missing it here. I was totally oblivious to it. I know parents are totally oblivious to it. What I want is for them to never need to go to the Center for Disease Control website and read the most guilt-producing document ever. It's their list of warning signs. It's the most guilt producing document ever because nobody goes to the Center for Disease Control and looks for that document until after their kid has made an attempt. Mm -hmm. And parents are not going to see those signs because of where we started. We're hardwired for those to be screened out because they don't match the belief that my kid's okay. So kids, parents are not going to know. That's why this talk is so important. And embedded in the talk, in the whole guide, are all of the things. Like, if you get this response, this is how you answer it. Those first questions, all you do is answer with thank you. Doesn't matter what they say. No probing, no curiosity, no pushing any buttons. On that last question, probe all you want to. And there's a built-in safeguard so that you get an alert. If it's time to do intervention, 
their answers to the questions will tell you. And I got a secret. Are you ready? Here's where that is. If somebody has thoughts of leaving, question three, and zero reasons for staying, question Mm. four. You stay with them and dial 911. Whoa. Oh, they will hate you for it and you will keep them alive. Okay. Now I'm really? going to tell you the if disclaimer. Nobody, if if they don't have any reason, like, well, how long do you wait? Like, what is that? In this conversation, if they don't have any reasons for staying. Now I'm going to give parents a break here. You ready? The number of times that that's happened. You want to guess the percentage? How many times that's happened in the thousands of talks that we've had? Uh, I don't know. One percent? Zero. Oh, zero. Okay. Zero. Here's why. They'll lie. They'll lie. And they'll tell you they have reasons for staying and they'll tell you what they uh, are. Yeah. Now, like you, like if they're talking to their mom, like uh-huh. oh, you, or whatever. Yeah. Are you ready for this? It doesn't matter. Their brain is still listening to what comes out Ah, of their mouth and they're still building out the file folder for reasons for staying. Wow, that's deep. It is the most fun I could have. Wow, that's incredible. It is the safest route to suicide prevention that we have created to date because They volunteer for the conversation. You're not blindsiding them with anything. You've already triggered their pleasure center of I get to help. You're walking them through very, very neutrally worded. There's nothing inflammatory about our wording. You're walking them through this very carefully crafted path. And then you're flipping all of that into their positivity. What is so good about their life that they want more of it? And because all you have to do is read the damn guide, pardon my friend, and everybody knows that you're going to be reading the guide because you told them up front, you have a guide, you have to practice. So they know you're going to read it. So it it takes all of the crap out of the conversations. And I've studied the conversations that are suicide prevention that you only have if you think somebody's at risk and you ask them these questions. And one of the questions is, do you have a plan and all of these other things? And if they lie in that conversation, they're not getting any help. I know that teenagers lie. I raised three daughters and (laughs) I was a teenager. So I know that teenagers lie. What we did was craft this so that it doesn't matter if they lie. Yay. So that's the talk that saves lives. The guide and the training on it it's all available for free on the Teen Suicide Prevention Society website. Mm. We want everybody to be having this talk. It is so much fun. Are, are you a nonprofit? Is that a nonprofit? Mm-hmm. It is way? a nonprofit. We do have a membership in the society. There are levels and people can play. People can become authors in our book. We have a lot of ways for the community to participate with us. And we will take this talk on the road. Somebody wants to have us have this talk with their group. You let us know we will show up. Yeah, that's amazing. Do you find that schools want to have you come in? We launched this program, went into one school and COVID shut everything down. 
Oh, because this is new then. 2019 was my daughter's talk. We published the first book that fall and we launched the program right as COVID was closing down the world. Ah, yep. And so now that schools are reopened, it's like, "Mm, everybody went on the web. So we're doing it all on the web right now. And we will go into schools and we're just starting to rebuild those relationships. The schools have been um, challenged, to say the least. Yeah. So now if somebody wants us to come into their kid's school, hey, let us know. Hook us up. We'll show up. Yeah, that that's great. That's great. But I mean, at least it's available online. So you have mental health courses people can take on their own. The power of what we're doing is that we don't have mental health courses. We do have a mental health screening that people can do. It's absolutely free. It's absolutely anonymous. It connects people into mental health professionals that's free and anonymous. And so we set that up both on our website and through a special um, emotional elephants. Yeah. So people go to emotionalelephants.com and they can take the free and anonymous screening. That's the realm of intervention. If you think you need mental health, you need intervention. That's past the point of prevention. So our programs are a little more like emotional cage fighting, have the talk before you think they need it, get the script and come into my world. My world is um, more along the lines of self-empowerment. I believe empowerment is an inside job. So we do self-empowerment and confidence trainings, and that's in my business. And 20% of my top line revenue supports the Teen Suicide Prevention Society and the mission we're involved in in Nairobi, Kenya, because it's not just a U.S. problem. Mm. It's a global problem. And it's not just a parent's problem to solve. Suicide prevention, especially among our children, is an everybody problem to solve. Mm. Uh, so why Nairobi, Kenya? Is there a special, something special there? All right. I'm going to answer that two ways. <laughs> One, a guy named Shakur saw where my daughter, Katie, my oldest daughter, had changed her Facebook profile and had put Teen Suicide Prevention Society in her profile. Yeah. And he reached out to her because he's in the Makuru slums. We're talking the poorest of the poor region of the world. And their suicide rate was astronomical. And he wanted to do something to help the kids. I mean, their school attendance rate was about 20%. The dropout rate was 80%, right? Just to put this in perspective. So he connected with us. We started providing some trainings for him. We did the full Advocates for Living training with him and his group of kids. We then started helping him get funding for a library. So the kids had a place with with electricity that they could come in the mornings and go after school to study, a concrete floor instead of a dirt floor, a bench to sit on. And we got convertible benches. So they've got a bench in the morning for when they have breakfast because we feed over 700 kids a day. And then those benches flip and become desks. And the school attendance rate among these kids who get a chance to have breakfast, sometimes the only meal they get, Attendance is now 80%. Wow. We've been doing this for almost two years. 
we now they've started urban farming. They reclaimed a local dump and they started teaching nice. the kids how to grow their own foods. And we have a shelter now at night for getting the kids who have no place to go off the streets because on the streets in the slums after dark is not a safe place. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, so that's why. Now what's funny is that it's in Nairobi, Kenya. And my favorite movie of all time growing up and raising my kids was a John Wayne movie called Hatari set it's outside of Nairobi, Kenya. Wow. So I had always imagined it had this connection to this energy around this space. And so, of course, that's the mission that reached out to us. We didn't go looking. We have enough to work on here in the U.S. Oh, so yeah, I keep of most course. of my focus here and my team, you know, we support what they're doing. But it doesn't take away from what we're doing here. Right, right. At all. And we've been involved in other projects in other parts of the world. Now, we will train anybody in how to be an advocate for living, how to have conversations that help people empower themselves, because you can't give that to somebody. You can't give confidence. You can give age-appropriate challenges to our kids, which is our job as a parent is to challenge our kids in an age-appropriate way because that's the only way they build confidence. But I didn't go to that school as a parent. I didn't know that was my job. Mm -hmm. And so my kids didn't get a complete education around emotional resilience. I didn't know the words emotional intelligence. Neither did anybody. That book wasn't written when I was raising my kids. At least not to my awareness. Yeah. So now we have all of these resources. We have a mandate in this country to bring social and emotional learning into the schools. And the problem is that it didn't come into the homes. That's why that I think the card games are so important. And having the why not workbook and the no like a trust factor assessment and the talk that saves lives, having these tools available for parents so that the conversation comes home. Because that's where the story is. Mm. Yeah, beautiful. Do you have an example of attitude adjusting stories? Well, beyond the talk that saves lives, here's a really quick attitude adjusting story. I heard this from beginnings of it from another speakers. Her name was Dr. Zanya. Kid on an airplane, so excited. He's going to the show. He's been called up from the minors to the majors. He's going to play for the Atlanta Braves. By the time that plane lands in Atlanta, that kid is just like bouncing. Everybody on the plane knows why he's going to to Atlanta. He gets off the plane, gets to the ballpark. He's got big eyes. He sees trophies over here and pictures of famous ball players. And then he sees, pardon the expression, he sees God. The club owner rushes over near about, takes that man's arm right off. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. You're with me. Club owner, seen it before, shows the kid into his office, shows him a chair. Kid couldn't keep his assets in the chair. He was so excited. Ball player, club owner, seen this before, gives him some papers and says, hey, why don't you read these and then we'll talk. We'll get better acquainted. These are the rules of the ballpark. So the kid starts reading and starts settling down. 
And by the time he's done, he looks up at the club owner and he goes, um, you know, um, I don't, I don't like some of these rules. And the club owner says, son, you have three choices. Option one, you can accept the rules of the ballpark without conflict. Play ball, make money, have fun. That's option one. Option two, you can argue with the rules and create conflict. You'll still play ball. You won't make as much money because you'll be paying fines and you won't have as much fun. Option three, you can get out of my ballpark. Woo! Just got here, don't want to leave. Uh, what were those first two options? Option one, accept the rules without conflict. Decide that you like them. Play ball, make money, have fun. Option two, argue with the rules. Create conflict. Not have as much fun. The ball player had spent his entire life dreaming of only three things. Play ball, make money, have fun. So it was a very easy decision for him. What's so powerful about this story is when you take and go, oh, a ballpark. Carissa, right now, I'm playing in your ballpark. I'm the ball player. When I come on to your podcast, I got three options. I can accept your rules, however you want to conduct the interview without conflict, get to play ball. I'm not making any money today, but I'm having a lot of fun. Or I could argue with your rules, create conflict. I don't know if you've ever had a recalcitrant, recalcitrant, whatever, a hard guest to interview. If you've ever had one of those on your podcast, because I certainly did when I was doing the summits, you know, I could be that. Or I could stay out of your podcast if I don't like your rules. I could have just walked. Now, in the speaking industry, that will get you talked about and not in a good way. It can end a speaking career to walk from a stage. However, once someone gets the fact that no matter where you are in your life, you're in somebody's ballpark, you're either in your own ballpark where you're the one making the rules or you're a ball player and you've only got three options. Yeah, beautiful. That's powerful. <laughs> so I I know you also have a daily prosperity series. So what is the purpose of that? Do you want to share that? The 39 Ways to Prosperity is a daily video that lands in your email. And I created it when I realized that the negativity of the world and the conversation out in the world is, is how bad it is. It's gotten into this ain't it awful, you know, and everyone, it seems like, is feeling more and more economic pressure. And I'm like, but this is culturally induced pressure. Yeah. It has nothing to do with reality. So Ooh, let's see if that. in 39 days we can break that. And that tags along with one of my other favorite tools, which is available for anybody who's listening. They can test it out. And it actually is connected with the Teen Suicide Prevention Society. The website is emotionalteflon.com. So T-E-F-L-O-N. And the reason we chose emotional Teflon is because 
when you use this tool, it actually floods your brain with images, positive images and affirmative questions and statements that get past your critical thinking brain and get into your other than conscious mind. So it's like washing the negativity of the world out of your mind. It takes three minutes and the effects last for six to eight hours. And that was scientifically validated. So it keeps the brain in a flow state. That's the latest scientific research on this. And we partnered with them on this particular topic of prosperity and the ability to counteract what we're being flooded with from the outside. Mm -hmm. And once I just talk about not my ballpark, okay, I have no clue over what comes on the airwaves, what's considered news these days, what people talk about in my hearing and in my presence, not under my control, not my ballpark. What can I do? Option one, accept their rules without conflict. So I don't argue with the news. I'm not upset with the news. And what do I do? I accept it without conflict. That way I'm not putting any energy into it. I'm not firing any angry neurons. I'm not feeding the negativity, which is what we do when we fight against something. Instead, I'm just negating the effect. Sean Aker, the happiness professor from Harvard and his book Before Happiness calls it canceling the noise. Mm. By using the tips and the videos at Emotional Teflon, I actually have a way to cancel out the negativity coming, the negativity coming in by sending positivity in an opposite way back to it, just like a noise canceling headphone. Oh, I love it. Like la 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 la. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that sounds amazing. It's been such a pleasure connecting with you and learning all about your programs and your mission to eradicate teen suicide. And I'll put all your websites, just send me what you want to put in the show notes. And yeah, just much Zen success on your journey, Jackie. Thank you very much, Carissa. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Zen Success. I would love to get your feedback at zensuccesspodcast.com on what topics you'd be most interested in and what Zen success is to you. Thanks for listening.